Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 57. Uh, as you know, I try to link the number of the show to something. The only thing I can think of for 57 is Heinz baked beans for some reason. Uh, never mind, maybe one of our uh, co- one of my co-hosts today can think of something better. But first of all, Graham, how you doing, mate? Eight, I'm doing great. I have got a bottle of cider this week. Uh, it's I'm going with Thatcher's Old Rascal tonight. I was given someone's late birthday present, so that's very nice. Also, 57 channels and nothing on. Song by Bruce Springsteen. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I've never heard of that song, but I'm not much I'm of a Springsteen fan. I think that's right. It was 50-something. I'm going to go with 57. <laughs> it wasn't nothing. <laughs> okay, so that's that's possibly a point for you, possibly a point for me. Uh, let's ask our wonderful guests tonight. Uh, please welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's <laughs> Tina Rowe. Hi, Tina. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> I, I can't you... think of anything with 57 in it, I'm afraid. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> It was a pretty weak okay. link to start the show with anyway, to be fair. <laughs> I don't want to hear from anybody if it wasn't 57 channels and nothing on. <laughs> I'm that. In my head, that's what that lyric is. And if it wasn't, he should have made it that. Is, is there a reference to it in The Wall, but Pink Floyd? What, 57 bricks no, in The Wall? 50, I mean, no, it's 50, a real small wall if that's all No, the there's some reference to the number of TV channels, but I don't think it's 57, actually. I think that's a bit of a red herring. Let's just mm-hmm. go with baked beans. It's the baked bean show, everybody. It will give you gas. <laughs> oh. That's gear acquisition syndrome. It's fine. <laughs> this is all tying in very well. We're off to a riotous start. <laughs> Welcome back, Tina. It's great to have you back on the show. We're really sorry that this is the one. It's, it turns out it's going to be. It's 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 delightful. <laughs> Okay, shall we ask? So, tell you what, too. Let's let's do something sensible because Tina, we know right that you've been inv- uh, since you were last on the show, which was I don't know three months ago or so, maybe. Um, you've been up to all sorts of different stuff. Um, so we've actually got a long list of stuff to talk to you about today. Um, and uh, I think I don't know whether you're, do you want to do these in chronological order or is there a particular one you want to talk about first? No, any order you like. Okay, in which case, please, can you tell us about Breathing Space? Okay, Breathing Space is um, a sonic art collective, and um, E5 Process, we have our own collective, and they asked us to work with them on a project where they had a residency in St. Augustine's Tower in Hackney, and they were making sound art in response to the building, and we created um, time-based photographic art in response to that. So we were working with uh, lots of pinhole cameras and lift printing. So we actually had live lift development going on at the top of the tower. And then we had lots of photographs floating about inside the tower. And the, the, the residency was for a month, but we only had a 12-hour period when there was a 12-hour durational performance that we had all of this artwork in the tower. And it was really cool. That. that sounds awesome. You were sharing some of the lift printing stuff that you've been doing on your Instagram feed over the last comments. Um, I find the whole process of lift printing absolutely uh, fascinating and beautiful, and I know as close to nothing about it as <laughs> makes no odd. 
could you talk a bit about what lift printing is, how you go about it, and the look you get? Because it's it's so distinctive and beautiful. Um, I, I, I would love to learn more about it. Well, I, what I really like about lift printing is it's kind of random because it relies on a sort of mixture between the chemistry that you use, how long you've been using the chemistry, plus with the kinds of papers that you use, because it only works with certain kinds of papers, mostly obsolete papers and quite often with fogged papers and papers that you wouldn't normally want to print on. So that's that's the thing that I like about it. But the main thing that I really like about it is usually when you're doing black and white printing, most of the work that you do is in the enlarger, so it's about how you will actually expose onto the paper. Whereas with lift printing, it's about how long you leave it in the developer and when you take it out of the developer. So you might normally put a black and white print in developer for a minute or a minute and a half, but with lift printing, you you put it in the developer and you sort of you have to keep rocking it and watching it and watching it develop. And you can take like half an hour waiting for the image to start to emerge. And then you decide when to take it out when the, when you have got sufficient development rather than sufficient exposure. So you can't it's very difficult to get two lift prints the same because the because the process causes um, well, the silver gets leached out into the developer. And that then affects the developer on the next print that you're going to make, if that makes sense. So it's all kind of random. So the thing about, uh, so for all right, let me try and get my head around this because <laughs> I should have stuck to the one bottle. Um, so first of all, why are you using the older papers in particular? Um, mainly, well, I suppose with lift because that's what I was told to do. <laughs> But um, it, it's to do with the chemical makeup of those old papers. Uh, and I'm not an expert on this at all. But it, it's it's the lith chemistry isn't actually photographic chemistry. It was used for reproducing um, print to make uh, newspapers, you know, like for, for printing text. Yeah. Printing, because it's very crisp, but you have a lot of high contrast on it. Yeah. And um, it, it's just it's basically using the wrong chemistry with the wrong paper to get this other effect. Right. So, I mean, essentially, it's it's cross-processing, but with printing. Uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually realising what an expert I'm not on this. You know, um, you know an awful lot more than the zero that we know. <laughs> the, thing, well, the, the main thing about it is, like I say, normally the artistry in, in black and white printing is being able to work out how to get the best blacks and the best the most contrast and the most detail and you do that through doing test strips with your black and white prints so you know when you're doing a black and white print you'll do it like for 10 seconds 15 seconds 20 seconds and then you work out where where it is that you're getting most of the detail but mm -hmm. you don't do that with a lift print really it's more about um well a proper lift printer probably would but um it's more about how you feel about the image as it emerges rather than it being about um, getting a really accurate reproduction of something, which which good black and white printing is trying to make the same print, you know, and make the best possible print from the image, getting the most out of the negative. Yeah. Um, for, for people like myself who've never had a go at doing this before, how easy is it to get into to try it? I mean, assuming that you've got an enlarger and the stuff to do ordinary um, print development at home, how how much more um, of a faff is it to have a go at lift development? 
I think you should do it with somebody who knows what they're doing in the first place because you you need somebody to stand with you and say oh well this is happening now and that is happening now um you might to give you some idea of how to get the best out of the paper that you're working with if you don't know what you're doing then you might pull it out of the developer too soon or you might leave it in too soon because what what can happen as well with a lith print is it starts to develop in one section of the print and then it spreads across the print it's called infectious development and if you leave it in too long the whole thing just goes black so you need someone to say oh well i think right now is a very good point to take it out of the developer that's called the snatch point when you snatch it out of the developer and put it in the stop bar so yeah it's, i like it's def- the phrase i like the phrase there the, the snatch point it's just like you wait yeah. wait wait yank yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's exactly what it was well, that's how it was explained to me and 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 it was what i saw i mean i've i've got much better at it now i know the thing that i want to be able to get with a lift print and when i begin to see that happening that's when i'll pull it out of of the actual developer and i may not get the print that i initially thought that i was going to get that it's it really is quite random that the temperature that you're working at can affect it. The dilution of the chemistry will massively affect it. I, sp- it- I suppose, um, sorry, for we're talking about lith prints here. It's quite likely that a lot of people listening might not have seen a lith print before. Could you sort of describe what um, are the sort of defining characteristics of a lith print? What tends to make them stand out? There's usually They're usually quite contrasty. Um, but another thing, that, the main thing that that's really lovely about them is you get these brown tones and sometimes pinky tones and orange tones, which you wouldn't expect to get with black and white paper. So you you have warm tone paper for black and white printing, which can give it make it look slightly warmer, but not red or purple or um, you know just another tone. Whereas you will get these different colours showing up because of the the uh, developer and the paper being working together if that makes sense. So it's, yeah. it's you, you get prints that look as if they've been toned quite often, and you can also tone a lith print, but I'm really not an expert. I just, I like I like the fact that it is kind of random, that it, it, you decide, it's, it's, it's a kind of um, aesthetic reason why you're saying, right, I'm stopping with this print now. You've, as I mentioned earlier, you've got some of the stuff that you've done on your Instagram feed, and probably yeah. on your website as well, I'm guessing. I don't really have much lift on the website, but I do have quite a bit on the Flickr um, account that I have. Okay. Um, and is there anybody, um, any sort of noted people using this that you would point people to who, who are not familiar with it, say, look, this is someone that you should look at to see that lift printing being done really well? Yeah, there's two people that are really, really good. There's Mike Crawford and Adrian Enser. And I particularly like Adrian. I like Michael Crawford's work a lot, but I really like Adrian Enser's work a lot. He gets, he prints very dark anyway. I mean, he's a master printer. He's a proper old school printer. And he prints really dark, but he manages to tease out these really, really, really gorgeous blacks and gold tones and and oh, it just gets this beautiful depth of colour. I'll send you some links to his work. That, that might be, be awesome best to do yeah because his his work i really do like so. that's awesome yeah that's great that is fantastic because uh, i said it's one of these i've seen um i think yonks ago i ian k who um was on the pixelated um forums uh he did some lith printing and shared some of the stuff from there and it, it really caught my eye then because it it does have a look that um really stands out and i love seeing it done and um 
yeah one day i hope i find myself <laughs> near somebody who can teach me how to do it because it looks amazing um, I, I don't think i would have persevered with it without having to go without having been on the course that i was on and on the course there were two really sort of um the the two of the guys were very very um they really understood all of the process and me and this other guy that were on the course we just were like the pretty pictures <laughs> and and the mixture of the very highly technical and the the really sort of wobbly arty farty ones it, it it meant that we all got a lot out of the the process itself you know we learned off each other but there is a lift printing group on um in facebook and i could send you the link for that and there's some stunning work on there and the the king of lift printing, as well, is a guy called Tim Rudman. He wrote a lot of books about it. And also um, Wolfgang Mersch, who makes lith chemistry as well. And they, they get the most amazing things out of their prints. Awesome. Lots lots of very cool things for our listeners to check out there uh, and myself also. That's my <laughs> evening after we've done this for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Revelity is uh, a really big analogue festival and it's held in a little village called Villa Sardidalt, which is about 20 kilometres north of Barcelona. And I think it's been going about five years and it's massive, absolutely massive. And last year they invited 10 artists to go there on an artistic exchange to make work. And I was one of the people that was chosen to do that. And we made the final work that was then shown at this year's Revelati Festival. And it was really amazing to see the work there and also to see the other exhibitions because there's a lot of exhibitions in there. It's a massive space. Because we, we were talking to you about this last time you were uh, on the show and you sort of um, gave us a look into what you were doing when you were over there. Obviously, you couldn't share with us the work at the time because um, yeah. it was being specifically for that show. So. Yeah. first thing is how was the show for you how was how was exhibiting your work there and, and getting it all done it was a pain in the ass to get it done <laughs> <laughs> because i i foolishly thought i'd given myself sufficient time to do this because i decided what i was going to do was put um uh, liquid emulsion on chinese mulberry paper and then st- and, and make panels and then stick those panels together and then hang them so they would revolve and spin around like the things that I'd been photographing Uh when I initially did it and I did get three pieces done in time for the festival but I I didn't have sufficient time to do as many as I wanted to because I I could not believe how many things that could go wrong (laughs) with liquid emulsion (laughs) I think I must have. I think I must have spanked about three hundred quid on on liquid emulsion just doing tests. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so can you share with us some of the things that can go wrong with liquid emulsion? Then, well, one of the things that can go wrong is you can coat your pieces of paper and hang them up in the dark room and forget to put a sign on the door saying "Don't turn white light on" in the uh, dark uh-huh. room. And somebody will come in, turn the white light on, open the door into the dark room, and fog all of your paper. Hey. <laughs> that was one thing that happened um then there was just i some people like when they're using cyanotype liquid emulsion gum prints all of this they like the brush marks to show up but that was the last thing that i wanted i didn't want you to be able to see that the the liquid emulsion had been painted on i just wanted people to go how did you get that on there and um i it took me ages to work out how to coat the paper 
in such a way as you couldn't see brush marks. So I was having to mix all kinds of other things with the liquid emulsion. So I ended up adding alcohol and glycerine and water and all sorts of nonsense. And in the end, I found that photo flow, you know, the stuff used as a wetting agent. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up watering it down with a mixture of photo flow and alcohol. And that, that gave me a really good, smooth way of being able to coat the paper. But it took months. It actually took months to work out how to do it. That's the problem Salt of pushing back the boundaries is that you have to find all these things out for yourself. Yes, yeah. And because the darkroom's quite cold at the best of times, which you, you want it to be fairly cool, but when I was trying to do it in the winter, you melt this, the liquid emulsion that you buy is, is basically suspended in gelatin. So you warm that up and then you coat the paper. But as soon as I took the brush out of the liquid, liquefied liquid emulsion into the cold darkroom, it would solidify. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be trying to rub jelly onto <laughs> sheets of paper. And if you heat it up too many times, then it fogs. And oh, God, because it's Wednesday, it fogs. And <laughs> it, was an, it was a pig, it really was. Uh, you, you were suffering for your art by the sounds of it, Tina. So, what did you end up taking? And you obviously weren't able to put together the project in the way that you'd initially visualized it. What did you end up showing there? I eventually ended up showing three. Uh, three images that were made of four panels each and they would I, I, I it, during the artist's residency um, I created sculptures and photographed them whilst I cut them down so I built something and then t- took it to pieces whilst I was doing these long exposures so I had one that was done with um, silkscreen screens old ones that I found lying around and another one that I ha- did using cloth offcuts and I didn't have time to produce the large prints of the sculpture that I made with the cloth offcuts so I'm just beginning to put those up on Instagram so you'll be able to see them over the next five days <laughs> you have got a lot of pictures of the um of the setup of the place where you were taking the the, the um photos in the first place and a lot of that on your Flickr account haven't yeah. you I'm just looking at some of that stuff now um it's a great place to go to get an idea of what and where you were working um yeah. so the, but, the latest ones the latest wide angle pinhole shots are of the cloth sculpture i made you can see those now on the Flickr account yeah yeah so those are the ones that i didn't manage to get done because <laughs> <laughs> how does it work does your just stuff just there do you have to do anything with it once you're there or is somebody else kind of dealing with all that for you um uh, I, I specifically went to hang it. I, I wanted to hang it because I wanted to be in control of the way that it was displayed. What I absolutely didn't want for it to happen to it was for it to be hung against the wall because the whole point about that image was it was about something spinning around in the air that was just passing through the room and I wanted them to spin around in the air that was coming in through the, the gallery as it stood. So I, I needed to be there because it was so difficult to explain to people. So I did, I travelled over to hang it and I wasn't able to hang it whilst I was there and I came back but I left lots of really detailed instructions and I went back about five days later and they, they had been hung properly so it was good because I was really worried about it. What the, the most, um, I think the most recent picture you've shared on Flickr which is um, like a triptych of the um, that piece you were talking about was it the, the, was that the screening fabric the um... that's yeah that's the first that's the first 
those are the first images of the the first sculpt the sculpture that I made, and they didn't come out quite right. the The pinhole didn't actually um, move on properly, so they're smaller pinhole shots. Ah, this worked really well, though, isn't it? I mean, it's it's uh, it's not what you were looking for, but it's yeah. given you something else that's equally cool in a way. I, it's um. As we talked about, I think when you were saying when you last time, just the ideas that you came up with whilst you were there to create these free-floating structures, sculptures in the middle of these fairly large, very dilapidated spaces. Um, yes. The pinhole really captures that so well. It's I mean, I love the pictures. I, the, it, I love looking at anything and thinking I've never seen anything quite like this before. <laughs> um, there's something about the atmosphere of the place and then these strange structures within them that's that's fantastic um and were they well received tina they were very well received it was it, it i had i've had some lovely comments and um people who i've i know I, they're not like my mates have retweeted pictures of them it was really nice to have to see people put them up on other websites and stuff people say awesome. nice things Oh, congratulations on that! That's Thank fantastic. You. Getting, uh, uh, setting yourself the challenge of getting to do that in the first place. Um, it sounds like it was a fairly stressful experience, but you <laughs> got there. <laughs> it was really good, and it. But what was also very nice was to be working with the other people that were um, showing there. So it was nice to have worked with them last year and then to, to meet nearly all of them again this year when I went back and to see everybody's finished pieces as well. That was really good because we'd all been talking about what we were going to do, but to see it all finished was, was something else because you felt like you'd been part of a, a whole. You know? So tell us about some of the stuff that the other people there did, because you said last time that there were, um, lots of people shooting lots of different styles lots of different kinds of cameras um and that you and i think one other lady were very much the low end tech wise um, <laughs> there were, um other guys there with large format stuff and fancy likes and all sorts what kind of stuff were other people doing and was there stuff there that really surprised you having been in the same space um yeah to see it particularly pierre's work because he was doing dry plates so he was putting liquid emulsion on glass plates and and um then printing off those and he printed from his glass negatives onto glass positives and then he constructed these beautiful wooden frames around them which he'd built you know he constructed them himself and it he's they had lights behind them they were just really really they'd all they were already very very beautiful images but the way he presented them was fascinating because knowing him now and and considering how much thought he puts into the work that he does it was just and it was really really satisfying to see what he'd done with what he made I, I yeah I think everybody just did really lovely work like Anna Anna Tornell her work was gorgeous just the attention to detail like my stuff is kind of scruffy and sort of it, it's it's not as exacting as hers and it's it's really interesting to be in a show where my work could sit next to somebody as proficient as she is she's extremely proficient with her techniques you know and, and yet it all still worked so there was something in the way that they'd got us all together and got us to work together that was really really nice and considered I, yeah <laughs> I, I, I mean seeing so many people's um takes on a space like that um i i really like things like that i think we were talking about just last week i always love seeing how different people see different opportunities in in the same kind of general space um yeah. because i always feel like it makes you look at it and go ah 
I didn't see that, but next time I'll look out for that. Um, yeah. Were there, was it well attended, the um, festival? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very well attended. Um, it's, it's over a, quite a long time. I think it's over 10 days. And um, the, the, I saw, I mean, I, I only saw it for a couple of days when it was in full swing and it was full all the time that I was there. It's a massive old, the main building is a massive old fabric factory or textile factory. And then they, there are other factories around the village itself and other galleries in different parts of the village as well. So it's, it is a, it's a really, really, really big festival, a really big festival. So um, I'm assuming that there was stuff other than the the ten of you who had been. Um, oh yeah. So what kind of the other stuff was there? There was it just a selection of other artists that were handpicked? Um, was it all analog stuff, or was it a mixture of digital and analog? It's all analog. It has to be analog at some point. Though some people might have had a digital print of their analog files, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah i mean there was a there's an awful lot of um wet plate work you know like tin types but not little tin types like were five by four like great big huge 20 by 30 prints and there's there's there there a lot of them there's a lot of narrative attached to these prints then it's not street photography by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) all of these are are um big worked on projects there was a really 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 gorgeous project uh, about um I think he was a Russian guy who sold the Eiffel Tower to some gullible Americans <laughs> in the early 20th century. And this guy had put together this narrative that he'd done with pinhole cameras. So there's, there was no there was no text telling you what was happening in each image. But it, somehow he still managed to um, give you the feeling of a real story being told. There were other more, tri- more I don't know, more journalistic-y things. There was um, a piece about oh there was there were pieces about refugees there were there was um there was just such a broad broad range there was an old um there was a a, like a street photographer from the 1950s a spanish guy again i'm sorry i can't remember his name but again this work was there i recommend that if you go and have a look at the revelate website which is uh, i can send you the link for that as well You'll see some of the you'll see the links to the artists that were all showing there, and you'll see a really really fascinating um, body of work. They have a theme, and the theme this year was hidden, um, and so everything was in some respects related to that idea. I think it's awesome. Do, 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 do you know what gets me for this is that I I sometimes sit down and I think about a concept for a photograph um and uh you know that that might take me all of about five minutes <laughs> <laughs> and and you know the, the what i find you know just the way you talk about it tina and and the, and the work itself i mean obviously we're only seeing photographs of it rather than seeing it re- really as it should be with a proper installation but just the amount of, of thought and creativity and and collaboration in some ways and craft because it's not just art it's craft as well isn't it um, yeah, I, I think that fight. I just, ju- just way be- way beyond anything that I I could uh, I could ever hope to do. Um, it, for me, photography is great because I have no motor skills at all. <laughs> I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't. Uh, what can't? What else can I do? You name a you name an art or a craft, and I have absolutely no skill with it at all. But I do see things. And uh-huh. for me, that's that's why that's why my chosen 
you know, uh, art, if you like, is is photography. Because if I can see it, uh, uh, then I can use the magic box to capture it, rather than having oh, yeah, to rather having to paint it or draw it. But uh, the stuff that you, you guys have been doing is is um, yeah, yeah. That's about that. That's about having a community of practice. That's 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 the the thing about. Um, meeting somebody and having a conversation with that person and and then saying oh yeah well I'd like to do this and they say ooh I did something like that and then you end up going down all these interesting tangents that's that's what I love so much about being a member of the dark room maybe I should move to a city then I'm not sure there's many artists where I live Anyway, there's the stuff that on Facebook and stuff, though, you know, because if I, I did that lit printing course and then I joined the lit group on Facebook and then I started to chat to people and then I met some of those people. And because I mean, all right, I do live in London, so it's easier to meet, you know, more people that are doing this kind of stuff. But it, even if you do it remotely, because I, I I'm I got friends, people who I consider to be friends who I've never met. There's a, there's a pinhole group in Ecuador who I think are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough i suppose we do that i mean graham and i don't get to meet up very often but we yeah we, we we sit here week after week talking to each other and talking to our guests and 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 putting out the podcast so what i really love about all the things that tina's been saying about is that with all of them it, it the um the end result is clearly visualized i mean and this was the thing that was such a a breath of fresh air with your work when we were talking about it last time tina was it's not just about capturing the image the image is just one part of the whole um piece as it's finished whether it's people doing these amazing um prints onto glass that are then backlit and beautifully framed or whether it's when you were making these prints onto wooden blocks or using the um the books it's always about having this idea that's uh, a complete idea and i i really like that because it is um it's it's having that vision and what you're going to do with the image that you're taking because so often i, I find i'm taking pictures or more often than not these days just not taking pictures because i go through the thought process of well if i take this picture what am i going to do with it even if it comes out well and and then you think well probably nothing and if nothing <laughs> why take it um and um yeah that's why i really love seeing what you and um your creative cohorts do because it really is inspiring and it it drives home um how much more we can do with our photographs um and our images beyond just either letting them die on the digital hell on our hard drives or even just make it into photo albums there's so much more that can be done with them i think it's wonderful so we start this segment Ladies and gentlemen in our delightful audience, uh, picture if you will, uh, Graham, uh, a bald Graham, uh, sat in a chair stroking a camera. Can you just do that for us, Graham? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, it's very much, uh, I was going to say, imagine that I've got, never mind, you know what, don't imagine what I was about to say. Would you, just you, have a, you have a touch of the Donald Pleasance about you. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Uh, what have you been doing with this camera? What you are stroking right now? 
Okay, well, we said last week that I'd missed out on going to my favourite bike meet, which I did. Um, so to make up for that, I took the day off on Sunday, which was most outrageous of me to take a Sunday off. I don't know why I'm playing it, um, but I did because my camera club had its annual outing. Uh, and for that outing, we went to a place called Chasselton House, um, which is an old stately home, not very far away from me. It took me about, I don't know, 35 minutes, <laughs> admittedly, mostly going slightly over the speed limit on my motorbike because I was running a bit late. Um, and it's quite a, um, an unusual property there's in this in britain i mean anybody living in this country will be more than familiar with this but there's lots of these national trust properties um big fancy stately homes and chastleton house is notable because um for a long time the people who owned it did not have the money to keep it in good order and when it was finally given over to the national trust they made the decision to essentially keep it in that same pretty dilapidated state um they do what they need to do to stop it from falling apart completely and it is still a house with furniture and stuff in there um but you know that it's there's cracks in the the ceilings and there's cobwebs and stuff like that because they want it to, it to be in this state of romantic disarray as they call it um very much like yourself very much so. <laughs> I, I tell you this is what i'm going to tell my landlady when she comes around and to do my house inspection I'm saying, it's not a mess i wasn't talking about your disarray. house i was talking about you <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah i mean i think that's pushing the definition by any search with me i'm i'm a uh, disastrous romantic disarray um so anyway i we've talked about before about this idea of when you're going somewhere new having a look online to see what kind of pictures people have taken there to get a bit of an idea about what kind of camera i might want to take with me um so i did a quick google image search and came to the conclusion that there was limited opportunities there's quite nice gardens there um which is fine uh and then there's the house itself um which is you know slightly run down stately home and that's about it um and none of those are things which are hugely in my ballpark so because the subject matter wasn't terribly inspiring i thought well okay i'm going to take cameras that i can have some fun with so I took a camera I bought and talked about briefly uh, a while back, I think before Christmas or or after Christmas. It was one of those two times. Um, and that is my... Almost Zeiss... all times could be either before Christmas or after Christmas. So, yes, yeah, so I've, I've nailed it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, well, I... I'm going to stop picking on you now. I'm just The last few minutes, I've just been picking on you. But I apologise, right? I don't like well, you know, I mean, I'm going to send you the bills for my therapy. That's fine. Um so I took with me my Zeiss Icon Box Tengor, which is the, I, I think this one dates back to around the early 20s, somewhere around there. It's one of the older um, Zeiss Box cameras. Um, it uses 120 roll film, not 620, which a lot of the Kodaks do. And as a box camera, it's quite sophisticated as a box camera. Um, some of the features I kind of learnt halfway through the day so you know there was a bit of his but but um you've got the one shutter speed um which is a 30th of a second which is a bit slower than i thought it was um but never mind um you have got three apertures not one not two but three apertures which is pretty amazing um big little and small 
Um, well, small, smaller, and even smaller. And you can even focus it. It's got two focus settings um, for portrait and for groups. Again, I didn't realize this until I pu- pulled out. It was like, well, that handle, oh, that comes out and that changes the focus. Um, so it's, and it's even got um, a thing for a cable release for the shutter. So as compared to a lot of things like the Hawkeyes and the box brownies and stuff like that, it's really well appointed. Um, it's got two shutter, two, not two, two tripod mounts, although I think they're quite, they're a, a larger bore tripod mount than the one that's currently in use. Anyway, it was quite fun using it. I sh- slung in some, um, ah, I think it's some Lamography X pro 200 film. So it says, 200 speed slide film which they seem to sell specifically for cross-processing so I'm, I'm guessing it's probably not a very good slide film uh, but it's fine i'm going to cross-process it anyway um slide film probably not the thing to try out in uh, a box camera <laughs> for the first time <laughs> but, but you know it was the first one my hands um arrived on so um but yeah i i it's just it was fun to use it was fun wandering around this old place with this old camera and um and i enjoyed using it so much i did i did uh i have got coming on from ebay i made the mistake of going on tape again i have got a more recent um zeiss icon box tangle coming to add to the collection of box cameras so um yeah i managed to finish that roll of film because there's only eight photos on the roll so we'll see how those come out get those developed this week but that was quite fun to use um the other camera because i used two zeiss cameras the other one was a fairly similar age but it was a lot fancier camera um was uh, the zeiss super iconta which i think i've talked about on here before because it's had a roll of filming for about a year and a half now um and this is a folding camera Another medium format camera. This one shoots um, 6 by 4.5. So same kind of thing as the Mamiya's and the Bronica ETRSI's. Um, but in a very compact package. And this was the high-end version of this. So it has a coupled rangefinder as well. It is the most steampunk camera you're going to come across that's not been made by some terror. Because um, you sort of flip up this little dial to look through. You have... It has two viewfinders. You look through one viewfinder um, to do the range finding, and then you look through another one to actually frame the picture. Um, it's a beautiful camera. I think it's probably the most beautiful camera that I've got. It is um, quite a faff to use it because some of the controls are all quite fiddly and adjusting. So you're not going to be going around snapping away uh, willy-nilly. But for a camera, which, again, I think was um made in the early 1920s the technology in it, it it's got um uh, double exposure prevention in there like i said it's coupled rangefinder and all in this really small package so i've got a roll of um ilford pan f 50 in there which i put in last summer so i got a few more shots taken through that so hopefully i'll get through the rest of that roll within the next um year or so <laughs> yes. oh, takes me so long um see it's amazing though it out with my box and my little folding camera and people going oh god it's amazing you put in the effort to do these things and yet i looked at the rest of my camera group at the massive lumps of plastic that they are carrying around you forget when you don't shoot digital for a while how big and bulky modern slrs are um Mm. i picked up uh, one of the guys there has got one a new um 
Pentax full frame SLR, which I think cost about sixteen hundred pounds, not including a lens. And it's I mean, they're huge and heavy and the things they can do, there's so many controls and settings and it, I mean it's I'm sure they take lovely pictures, but at the end of the day, all you really need is aperture and shutter and the ISO and everything else is just so much fluff. Um, and as I pointed out to him, his negatives, his um, sensor size, full frame, uh, scare quotes around it, is still only 35 mil, as opposed to my tin box, which is six by nine. Thank you very much. So <laughs> not as good. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that was my fun day out at Chasterton House. It's always, whenever I'm going somewhere where I don't think the subject matter is going to grab me particularly, I always try and take a camera that I think I'll have some fun with. And uh, the, the the little Zeiss Icon Box Tengor certainly did that. Um, although I'm sure the results are all going to be horrifically overexposed because it's slide film, 200 speed uh, with a shutter, which fires at 30 of a second. So probably not going to be amazing, but I'll share them providing they're um, even visible. So that's good. Oh yeah, you should. Yeah. Oh, I, I love sharing my failures, even more so than my successes. <laughs> you say well, it sounds like you had a good day out, though. Was it fun hanging out with the camera club guys? Yeah, they're a really nice group of people. It's uh, just, it's nice wandering around and seeing what other people, as I said earlier, looking what they were looking for with their photographs, and um, it's it's just nice to get out and actually have some time specifically for taking pictures like you did the other weekend with your photo walk just to be there and like oh this is the only reason i'm here is to take photographs um and to try and you know look for stuff around there and and it was a lovely sunny day and as i said i went for a ride on my motorbike out there and it's a really nice part of the country to ride around so it was just all good fun it was all great no use at all when i were in the house obviously i mean that's the one problem with um, film cameras i took three with me actually because i took those two and my um olympus om1 so i'd have a sensible camera um but even that had 200 speed filming so once we went indoors it was no use whatsoever so i just looked at stuff indoors which was fine did you go to the top floor to the barrel vaulted um ceiling yeah you, that was yeah, very it, cool that's incredible that that gallery at the top so it's there's only two buildings i think in the whole of uh the uk that have that kind of uh curved ceiling on them with all that beautiful strap work there's St Agnes Hall Burton Agnes Hall I think is in Yorkshire and and uh Chasselton they're the only two proper Elizabethan buildings they are I can have that for nothing (laughs) (laughs) thank thank you Factmeister yeah it was really good and anybody who does a google image search for Chasselton House will find pictures of these which is why I didn't bother taking any myself because there are loads of them already out there um but yeah it was beautiful and and I liked seeing a house in a bit of a um knackered state it appealed to me um (laughs) <laughs> well as is unsurprising given my fondness for knackered old things um so yeah worth a visit if you live nearby it's quite expensive going into those places though i think it was yeah over 12 pounds yeah. to get in and but uh yeah it was good nice gardens as well uh, and yeah. um and cake i had some uh orange and poppy seed a lovely cake. victoria sandwich there yeah it was a proper little old lady cake shop wasn't it yeah it was good it was good so <laughs> go go for the cake okay excellent good stuff so uh tina uh understand that you've been uh shooting some long 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 i was gonna say long format but there's no such thing as long format (laughs) photography as far as i'm aware um what i meant to say (laughs) was some long exposure photography recently 
Yeah, I, I threw away my tripod because um, I went to Brazil a long time ago and I forgot to take the, um, you know, the plate that you screw onto your camera and you put onto the tripod. No. And I wanted to take some long exposure pinhole shots. And then I thought, well, as the shot's going to be about five minutes and I was on a moving train, I reckoned that we'd keep going back to the same point. So I might get a really interesting um, long exposure that way. And I discovered that was quite good. So I do a lot of handheld long exposures with the pinhole. I'm, I'm talking about five minutes or 20 minutes. So I was um, been doing that. I went to the fair a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever heard of Carter's Steam Fair? Maybe, nope. yeah. <laughs> it's it's an old, proper old-fashioned fun fair that, that really is run by Steam. So they've got things like uh, steam engines and stuff running the um, merry-go-round and stuff. So I, I went on the merry-go-round with that and took long exposures with um, out-of-date colour transparency film. They're great. I'm looking at them now. Again, these are all on your Flickr stream, which is definitely the place to look at these because um, they are... So the, are these 6 by 12s Tina? They look yeah, even wider than 6 by 12 they're, well, they're reality so subtle ones, yeah. yeah. Um, and so seeing these on Instagram does not really work terribly well. Um, <laughs> but they're great. I mean, they're they're right up my street because they're all real blurry and hard to see what they are. Um, <laughs> so ticking all of the boxes for me. Uh, and um, just very otherworldly because of using the, the, trans- the expired transparency films. It's given all the colours this great shift as well. Um, yeah. So the, the five-minute exposures, I mean, even with a pinhole and slow film, that seems like a really long time. Was it because it's expired or were you using um, ND filters or anything like that to drag it out anymore? No, I mean, the um, the, the Reality So Shuttle has, a, has an f-stop of 233. So um, what might be a... I think if it was, uh, say, 125, uh, a 125th of a second, yeah, um uh, 2.8 that's about 35 seconds to expose it on that film so mm. if the meter reading say i'm using 50 asa film and it's saying an eighth of a second and you're looking at a, i don't know 19 minutes or something like that oh crumbs yeah you have to be quite patient with it but the point is that in doing that things sort of fall up you know it sort of all falls apart and goes blurry but if you keep doing a repeated action then it sort of all coalesces again so you get an idea of the thing if that makes sense. so did you have to go around on a merry-go-round for 19 minutes <laughs> uh no the, the merry-go-round was was um was three minutes three minutes on the merry-go-round yeah all right, all right um, yeah, okay. i do love these results i i'm and know it's a thing that you did before with some of your other work, but this this whole idea of movement with pinhole and the different ways that um, people are doing that. Um, I, I love the way that you're capturing movement in the world around you. Um, it looks stunning, especially as the picture in the fairground. Obviously, the lights are spectacular in them. Um, there's another chap uh, on, uh, I think there's a, a social media network called Twitter. Um, is it John Wilkening? Yes. Um, ah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and and you know he's out walking the streets with his and and using it to ca- capture the movement and people and stuff like that. Very different from what you're doing. Um, but again, I I I really like it. It's um, it, yeah. it's the 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 life that it brings to it. Um, I I I think when you start losing sharpness and detail and you know definition, it leaves more room for your brain to start interpreting and putting its own stuff in there i think that's great i think it's 
um, it's a really interesting space to work in. Yeah, I, I quite like the fact that it, it 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 sort of ends up being a kind of abstraction, but it's 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 an abstraction of a real thing, if that makes sense. You know, it's it's not like um, a line of bricks and saying this is this is a naked person lying on a chaise longue. I mean, it it, it is it is what it is. You took the photograph off, but then there's, there's all these other environmental factors sort of making their mark on the film at the same time I, mm. I, that's one of the reasons i like doing it so much is as well because i can i know enough about the cameras that i use and about the substrates that i use and all of that stuff to, to get an accurate representation of the world but why would i do that there's loads of other people doing that you know yeah I'm, I'm not as good as a lot of there are some easier people. ways to do it as well <laughs> I, I shouldn't have sold my D seven hundred, but I did. <laughs> or you could use a phone, yeah. <laughs> like... Use a phone, yeah. I mean, I use my phone a lot. I use my phone a hell of a lot. I probably take about ten photos a day, and I'll delete half of them. But I mean, I've got so many pictures of the frigging cat; it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, this Jeff! Shout out to Jeff the cat. No, just Jeff, excuse it... me. You just excuse me one sec. Hello, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Going to have words with Jeff the cat. Special guest star. <laughs> Andy. Andy. Uh, Andy the cat. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> I'm talking to the guys from Sunny CC. Can you shut the door to the lounge because I can hear the telly? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, back. <laughs> so who was that interrupting? Was it Andy interrupting or was it the cat interrupting? Uh, it was Andy. He wanted the tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he's got to buy his own bloody fags, honestly. Yeah, outrageous. <laughs> so it is Jeff the cat, isn't it? Your um, your darkroom cat. Oh no, Jeff's my house cat. Oh, he's your house cat. Yeah, Jeff he's lives in my flat. He's yeah, he's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. He's he's a one of those deaf ones that that <laughs> so he can't go outside. You know, they're white. If they've got white and different coloured eyes, they're quite often deaf as well. Really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a genetic thing. The, the, the signifiers are the different coloured eyes and the white fur. That almost guarantees you a deaf cat. Oh, great. <laughs> we, we live on the second floor, so we, he can't really go out. So we're in an ideal place for him. So, yeah, he's the house cat. The other cat is just this wild cat that hangs around in the dark room and occasionally materialises actually underneath an enlarger when you're trying to do some printing. That's the tabby cat that I sometimes put pictures up. Uh, cats of Instagram, as you as you put it, the wonderful cats of your dark. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. so, Dina. As you're um, a pro user of the um, reality so subtle, uh, have you got any pro tips for Aid so he, he gets some real good pictures? The thing, the thing that I I I suppose of it with it is um, it's quite good if you get quite close to things just if that makes sense because because you've got this wonderful depth of field you can get so much detail and that that the, the 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 pinhole is very very sharp the largest print i've had off out of that was 150 centimeters wide Whoa. So, yeah it's a big 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 thing um and and it looks good oh my god it looks good shame it's in my wardrobe because nobody will buy it <laughs> <laughs> but no uh, it's I don't know. You just you don't want to do. Um, I don't know. I I think if you wanted to take a picture, say if you were Malvern of the hills or something, you you probably want to get quite close because otherwise everything gets really tiny. You know? Yeah, because that, it's such 
a wired plane yeah uh, yeah i think that that's something that i uh i learned a little bit from do from shooting a test roll through graham's on do which should be on its way back to you now mate it should went in Yay. post today so you can you can have it back uh so i yeah i i've so far i haven't i haven't done much with it but i will uh, once i clear a a, 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 a once i clear a role in my 110 camera for the uh, cheap shots challenge for macro uh, macro challenge uh, either till then get back onto the reality so subtle i'm looking forward to using it i really would like to use the reality so subtle for taking portraits and i think you know because i'm into flash photography that might work the downside is is you have to put the flash on full power and blip it about 20 times whilst the person stays still without blinking <laughs> yeah that, 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 that is a problem yeah or, or you could just get them to wear blacked out glasses <laughs> <laughs> yes every portrait i ever take is of people wearing sunglasses aren't yeah, you supposed no. to be able to see into somebody's soul or something on a portrait details if you flash them that many times Ed, you will see into their soul if you want to but what if you've got some faster film, get some of that Cine Still 500. That'll speed things up a bit. I, I suppose so. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so okay. So, so let's let's talk about this. So, these what we're talking about here we, is a nice little segue onto uh, an extra little project update for my chain reaction project for the week. So, we talked about our projects last week, didn't we, Graham? And we had a look mm-hmm. at some of the stuff you'd done on the Myopic Me project. But I was still waiting for some of my stuff back from the lab because I, I had a last minute sprint <laughs> to get something to show. So, in the show notes. Uh, uh, is a link to a Flickr album of mine called Chain Reaction, which has the results of my six months worth of work. Um, and uh, I'm not proposing that we go through it all here, um, uh, uh, unless you guys want to, of course. But uh, I just was just, just to say that there's some new stuff posted there from the photo walk last week that Martin and Sandeep uh, organised. And the, there's a couple of photos there that I'm really pleased with the way they came out. And so I can say if I go through now and count. Uh, individual subjects i've got one two three four five six seven eight so in eight months no in six months sorry i've taken photographs of eight people yeah i mean technicality no down boo over um you you absolutely have and i mean and i will not detract i know you and tina were just talking off air whilst i was talking to me nan about these pictures um they're really good the ones you've got on your photo walk i am duly impressed by they are cracking um i don't know how much time you had to take out your photo walk to grab those i suspect depressingly little knowing how quickly you work with this stuff but um yeah, they're really awesome photos. Well, thank you very um, much. Um, so yeah, I can't, I, I can't really detract. It does feel like a real cheat, just whamming them all in at the end there on a group walk like that. But nonetheless, the results speak for themselves. Um, the the pictures of um, well, all of them, but you know, I love the one of Martin uh, looking very mean and moody, uh, fooling nobody. Um, I think I can't see what it says in his arm, but I'm assuming it's his best before date that he's got tattooed on his arm. <laughs> it actually says um, "sweet child of mine." <laughs> this one put that on is it <laughs> that's, um, I really like and, the one of Matt I think that's lovely and the one of Sandeep holding up his camera I think those yeah, two are great yeah, I like them all, all and I like them all a lot I also what I like about them is the fact that you've used the different locations as well they they each one the one of Tom I don't know what the hell Tom stood in front of it looks like an industrial vent he's like to get sucked into that's any second exactly now. what it is it is the Leadenhall building on Leadenhall Street um, commonly known as the Cheese Grater building 
Ah, but yeah, it's very cool. Very, very cool. Um, the lighting in all of them is great as always. And um, the fact that you're able to get multiple beautifully lit shots like this whilst out and about on the photo walk uh, it comes back to what I was saying last week about how, if nothing else, this um, project really has given you the confidence to just get out there and do this quickly and efficiently in a way which you probably didn't have to start off with um yeah, they're great dude well thank you very much and that's a fair shout actually i think that is probably you know the because these guys you know, they're photographers so they're not used to being in front of the camera um and of the i think uh martin and sandeep were reasonably relaxed um uh tom and matt not so relaxed and in fact when matt saw that photo he was like yeah that's me looking terrified <laughs> so you don't need to you don't particularly look terrified but okay if that's your terrified look well at least it at least it's not a scary terrified look <laughs> but uh he's uh but it, it was it was good and and the other thing was is actually to pick up on what you said there graham is that like these were not like the previous ones like when i met up with cole for example and cole and i went and had a couple of pints and then we went out and we spent a good 45 minutes taking the shots of him uh, you know, outside his favourite cinema. That was the thing that he wanted to do. Um, you know, these were, you know, uh, two or three shots each. Uh, I think the most I got of anybody was of Martin in that, in that graffiti-ridden area at the top of Brick Lane. And that was, I think I got about five of that. Um, so this really was, I mean, it wasn't get it right first time kind of thing, but it, it was quick, smart and, and people were off. So, cause they weren't particularly comfortable in front of the camera. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 so, yeah, I think I do count these as part of chain reaction. Um, uh, I think the concept of it was slightly flawed to, you know, because ju just the, the execution of it rather than the concept of it is it's difficult to get people to focus uh, on stuff that is introducing you to strangers and the strangers don't feel that yeah uh, it's not that they don't feel they owe me anything because why would they but it's it's just that it, it, everybody's busy and it's easy to understand why something like that is a low priority for people um, but I'm glad I did it and I need to think about where it goes next as a project um, but I'm really pleased and I feel like I've pushed myself which is a good thing as well yeah. I think you should keep doing it I really do are you familiar with uh, Jane Bone? The, no, the I don't think I am, Jane actually, no. She, she used to do, uh, she was a photographer with The Observer for many years, and, and she used to rock up with her um, Olympus OM-1, take two photographs and piss off, and <laughs> she just used to come up. But she, she, she there was something, that, that there was something about a kind of confidence in the way that she was able to measure up a subject quite quickly and take a good photograph of them she was quite unintrusive and I don't know she she was just she was a fascinating photographer she was a really good photographer and I think these later ones the, the color ones are I don't know there's something more there's more of a relationship between you and the people you're taking pictures of not that you know them but in that you're taking but the photographs themselves sort of show I don't know I can't really put it into words but I like them the later ones more than I like the earlier ones, which is quite. Hmm. I, I it's more like the fact that you've been doing it more. Do you know what I mean? That, that you've 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 got um, you, you're making decisions quicker for yourself. I don't. I'm I'm not a photography teacher, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that. I, I so that that. I mean, that's good. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, 
yeah it's uh yeah i bet maybe there's yes well maybe it's because i haven't overthought it or maybe it's because um you know it's uh, shooting during the day is slightly easier than shooting at night um yeah. uh but um uh and uh there were some 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 limitations in some of the uh, the early ones the the ones of of Rob and Gavin uh, those were shot with LED lights at night and I uh-huh. think one of the things that I learned is that the LED lights were were barely bright enough to get me a shutter speed and and to to allow me to not have to focus on the the technicality of it um, whereas shooting during the day of course is a bit easier. <laughs> You're but you're still using flash, it. though. Yeah, yeah. You're still but... using, yeah. So I, that, that's why I was quite impressed with the fact that you are still using flash in, in the daytime, and and but they have a, a an immediacy to them. I really like them. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, the the, the 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 the. I guess I am comfortable with the formula for it. Um, yeah. Because you know, in terms of lighting, there there is there is a bit of a formula. You underexpose the ambient by about two stops. Uh, yeah sort of what uh, or at least one stop anyway um uh, and then you 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 meet a you you meet her for the light and you and you just use you use the light um <laughs> um uh, i suppose it's easy for me to say just use the light because i do it a lot and i'm confident with it but <laughs> some other people might not quite follow that as a direct enough instruction i guess but there you go <laughs> i'm not a photography teacher either <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. All right. Well, I tell you what, we've all, uh, we've all talked about what we've shot recently. Uh, all good stuff, although all very different. Um, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with some shout outs. It's that time in the show again where we like to give some shout outs and of course as we customarily do uh, guests go first so uh, Tina who would you like to shout out to? Well I'd like to shout out to my lovely collective E5 process we have um, a show coming up at a local place called Picano uh, which is it's a a lovely bar that has um, a really gorgeous light well and we're going to be showing work from members from the dark room. There'll be a lot of alternative processes, like liquid emulsion and cyanotypes and all of that, and my hangy, swirly, swingy pieces that I was showing in Spain. Please come along on the 14th. What time is that, Tina? It'll be about 7 o'clock from 7 o'clock. But we'll be putting some uh, proper announcement up on the Facebook page, on the E5 process page. I can share um, the link to that with you if you'd like. That would be great for our fancy show notes that Aid does now, and um, and that's in London. That's uh, that's, uh, that's in, in Stoke Newington. Yes, sorry, yeah, that's in Stoke Newington in London. Yeah, so it's sort of Hackney area. Awesome. Good arty, good arty neighbourhood. <laughs> it is, it is indeed. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, great. Uh, Graham, you've got a couple of shout outs, I believe. Yeah, I just wanted to shout out to a couple of people who have taken the time. Uh, these are a little bit late, actually. I'm a very bad person, but who got in touch with me via the messaging thing on Instagram. So um, if you cannot find the time uh, or, or don't have an email account, which doesn't seem very likely, um, but you want to get in touch, then just drop me a message on the Instagram. Cool. Um, I always read them and I always try and reply to them, although sometimes I'm a bit slow. Um, so the first one is to uh, Instagram user. This is a weird word. So um, OT15 underscore. 
Uh, I've no idea what that's about. Um, but he dropped me a line. Just I think he'd been listening to the episode day where you've been off to New York and um, had been dragging stuff your your role of sacrificial T Max through the scanners through the uh, <laughs> things to see how it behaved. And he's got in touch to say that he's taken Instax, um, which I think you also had with you, and he's taken it through I think at least five different. Um, x-ray machines whilst he was traveling and all still good so it seems that instax does indeed have quite high tolerance um and he's got a really nice uh selection of shots on his instagram feed some really nice color stuff lately he's been shooting with his olympus there's a great picture of um it looks like a, a lorry lollipop uh which um is a difficult thing to say after a couple of bottles of cider um the other person i want to shout out again uh, who got in touch on instagram is John dot danger dot slimak spell S L I M A K. Um, we just got in touch to say that he was listening and he's assured me he's going to join in with the next cheap shots challenge, which is now running. Um, for everybody who's uh, may have missed it a couple of weeks ago, it's the we're looking for macro photographs. I think, Age, you've already made a start on this, haven't you? Uh, I have, yes, yes, just to, uh, you know, no, nothing to show for it yet because I haven't finished the first uh, first film, but uh, I've got about 10 shots I've I've tried. We'll see see what comes out with them. There you go, people. The heat is on when AIDS already on this. You know that this is going to be, um, this is going to be going for it this time. So I hope you're all out there with your cheap, rubbishy cameras getting some nice macro shots. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, John, for getting in touch. And thank you very much, uh, OT15. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely name i'm sure your mother didn't give you that um and yeah it's always great to hear from you guys out there um and you can do so like i said by instagram or by email or um smoke signals uh, anything works it's all good okay excellent thank you well i i would like to shout out actually to a whole bunch of people in one go uh we have picked up on twitter uh, recently quite a few new followers uh so uh i'd like to say hi to them uh thanks for following uh, i hope you're listening to the show as well uh because uh, uh you know the, the the twitter thing is is mostly just me mucking about <laughs> Um, i quite like that twitter on its mobile app uh, actually has a gif search engine which I'm, I'm i'm learning to use for this i was wondering why people in the middle of conversations were suddenly posting lots of gifs and it turns out that twitter just makes that happen for you which i'm so i'm thoroughly enjoying that and i hope our new followers are too <laughs> Uh, but slightly more uh, slightly more focused to shout out um, friend of the show Rachel is uh, running a workshop uh, this weekend I think Rachel must work very very hard at weekends so this coming Saturday is the 8th of July 2017 and uh, somewhere in Liverpool although I'm not entirely sure where uh, Rachel is running a workshop she calls Intro to Analog and she will teach you to learn uh, to shoot uh, sorry she will teach you to learn she will teach you to shoot develop and print your own negatives uh, so you can get in touch with rachel at little vintage photography uh, that's her handle on instagram it's also uh, the name of her website and on twitter she is at re brewster so if you're in liverpool and you fancy having uh, some good fun and education for photography this weekend uh, look up rachel and and book into this the workshop okay i think uh, unless there's any other business that brings us to the end of the show this week uh, Graham, uh, any other business? 
Yeah, there is one other bit of business. Um, I stuck a YouTube link at the top of the show notes uh, to the song 57 Channels and Nothing Gone. Uh, just to make sure that everyone knows that, like, yeah, nailed it, boys. Yeah. Uh. All right. Okay. So one to me for Heinz Beans and one to you for Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Yeah. And none to me. Oh, dear. There's always next time, T. There's always next time. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, you're yes. Well, thank you for for, for being on the show, Tina. Um, and I think we've got we've managed to capture a couple of your uh, your internet uh, things at the moment um, uh, through the course of the show. Is there anywhere else you'd like to point our listeners to go and see your work uh, on the internet? Uh, no, I can't think of anywhere offhand. <laughs> <laughs> really on the spot then no no sorry <laughs> no 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 need to apologize uh we we've got we've, we've captured a lot of it already i think okay brilliant well thanks guys uh for the show uh we would like to invite you to contact us uh, on the internet uh, as uh, we've just been speaking about Graham on our Instagram account is active and uh, I believe we've got uh, lots and lots of followers because just in a little off recording moment Graham was lording it over me a little bit <laughs> Uh, on the Twitter is mostly me at Sunny16Podcast. Uh, we do, of course, have our Flickr group where we post uh, the results of our projects too. So you can see uh, my Chain Reaction project stuff up there and uh, some of uh, Graham's myopic me stuff makes it to Flickr, although a lot of it's on Instagram. Uh, you can email us at Sunny16Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't think we got any emails this week, so uh, please pick up your virtual pencils and and drop us a line yeah oh i just want to very quickly say because we don't always remember it there is also um the pixelated photographer forums which is um a great place for people who want to go and have a longer format chat and i just want to say actually a quick shout out to um danny roberts who recently joined up with the forums there and has jumped on in the conversation on the cheap shots channel there's a thread there people talking about the cameras they picked up and in fact danny's even put on there that um if you're in north america and have a walmart nearby by he found uh, a clearance of single rolls of super Superior Extra 400, which is the one that's um, just been discontinued um, for $1.50. So, uh, you know, there you go. So the, the, the Pixel Photographer Forum is a great place to go if you like using forums to chat. Uh, and welcome to Danny. Welcome, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Absolutely. Good good stuff. Okay, actually, that's a good segue because, of course, we always like to say thank you to Chris uh, every week. Uh, Chris hosts the podcast and, of course, he also hosts pixelatedphotographer.com. Uh, so thank you Chris and thank you to Rachel's band Rocha uh, whose album Promises I Should Have Kept uh, is the music uh, you find uh, threaded throughout our show you can find them on Amazon or iTunes um, which brings us to the end of the show and so we look forward to speaking to you next week uh, goodbye bye bye bye, bye.